Well, how are we doing, Rich Church? There's obviously more single people in this room than there were in the first service because yeah, the first service thought it was hilarious, and y'all were just like, I hate this church. I'm not ever coming back. Just kidding. Well, my name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here at the Ridge, and we're glad that you're here today as we continue this series called He Said, She Said, and we're in week number three uh, of this series today. And so today, obviously, we're talking about singleness, and we're talking today specifically about what God is doing in singleness. And so if you are here and you're, you're married and you're like, oh, okay, great, well, I guess I'm just off the hook today. Now I'm going to beat on you today too, just like I do every Sunday as well. But there is something for all of us to actually get out of today as well. So not... If, if you're single, you're like, okay, great, this is going to be awesome, this is going to be for me. Yes, this is going to be for you. But if you're married, there is something here for you as well. Because here's the truth about all of us. All of us know someone who is single. We all know somebody who is single. Maybe it's a, a child of ours who is single. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. But we all know someone who is single. And so we can all take a little something from today's message. And I, I think that we'll be able to help others with what we learn here today. And if you're married, there's going to be something in here for you as well. And so today, uh, we actually, uh, five years ago, well, it'll, it'll be five years in April that, that this church turns five years old. And so uh, we started this church really with today in mind at, at some point, having uh, prayed for and hoped that, that a day like today would actually come. A day like today that, that we could stand here and do a series on relationships and take one message especially geared toward those who are single because our hope and prayer was that when we started this church that we wouldn't just be a uh, church of middle-class families of middle-class married people that we would actually be a church that had people who were single people who were divorced people who come from all different walks of life different places different circumstances and it's been uh, just amazing to see how, what God has done in, in the life of this church over the last five years to, to see things like that begin to, to come. And so maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, but Rich Church is largely made up of, uh, it's about 50-50 almost between those who are married and, and those who are single. And so uh, between the first service and second service. And so you might think, well, there's not really a whole lot of single people here. If you're single, just raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I don't want to call you. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. Like, okay. Anyway. All right. So check this out. This is what I want to do today. I want to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians 7. That's in the New Testament. And uh, we'll, we'll get there here in just a second. But if, if you're married, I, I don't want you to blow this off today. Because like I said, you can use this to, to help someone else. This is something that, that you'll be able to maybe take to your children. This will be something that maybe you can take to one of your friends. And so if, you're, if you are married, I don't, you, I don't want you to tune this out. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is going to outline for us something that if you're single, maybe you didn't really think about. And, and by single, I mean not married. And so maybe you're dating somebody, maybe you're engaged, you know, that you're, you're still single. You're not married, so technically you're still single. And so Paul is going to outline something for us today that maybe you've not really thought about. He's going to outline for us that singleness is a gift. That, that being single is actually a gift. And if you're single, you're like, yeah, but dude, you don't know how single I really am. Like, this ain't no gift. 
You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm single, single. But like, Paul is going to show us in First Corinthians, you're going to see this in just a second. He's going to show us how singleness is a gift. And it, how it's, it's not a curse. Your singleness, you being single, is, is not a curse. You being single is not a disease. Okay? And so what we're going to see is, is some benefits of actually being single and how singleness can actually be a gift. And for those of you that, that are single, when I say that, you know, it's not a curse, it's not hell on earth, it's not a disease, I know what some of you are thinking, like, you know, you just don't know. Like, it's tough. It's tough being single. Maybe you're divorced and single. Maybe you're a single mom, a, a single dad, and you're raising a family. And, and it is, listen, I, I don't want to sidestep that. It is tough, regardless of whether you have a family or if it's just you. It is tough being single. It's tough being single. But there is something that God is doing in your singleness that maybe you haven't quite seen yet, that maybe you haven't noticed yet. And so my hope is, is that you'll embrace this and or, or share it with others that you may know that could really use this today. And so, 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 7. The scripture will be on the screen behind me. Uh, if you need a Bible, we want you to know that we have free Bibles that you passed on the table on the way in here. That's called Ridge Central, and you can grab a Bible out there if you want. Feel free to get up and grab one of those. But in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is he's talking, about, he's talking about sex. He's talking about marriage. He's talking about singleness. And, and the interesting thing here is this is a letter that he has written to Christians at a place called Corinth. And it's interesting. Some people call the letters to the Corinthians, he, he, they, they kind of call it Christians gone wild. Okay, because when you see this, if you read First and Second Corinthians, you kind of see that the Christians in the church in Corinth were they were a little crazy. They were kind of they were doing some things that were a little bit crazy, and so Paul is kind of sort of helping them refocus, and that's what he's doing when he starts talking about being single. Listen to what he says, First Corinthians seven, starting in verse seven. He says this. He says, "I wish that all were as I myself am." But each has his own gift from God, one of one, one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. And then verse 9, it says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so understand this about Paul. Paul was a single man. He was single. And what he says in verse 7 is he says that, some of you will have the gift of singleness. And he talks about it in the form of a gift. He says, some of you will have this gift of singleness. Others of you who burn with passion will not. You should probably get married. That's a good thing. He's not saying that marriage is a bad thing. When he says you should be single as I am, he's not saying that, that don't, he's not saying don't get don't get married. That's not what he's saying. In fact, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Marriage is something that God created. It's not something that man created. Marriage is something that God created. God created a covenant, meaning between two people, right? A man and a woman, spouses, they come together. They enter into a covenant with God, not a contract. Marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. And a covenant is much deeper and much thicker and much stronger than any contract. And so Paul's not saying that marriage is a bad thing. In fact, because it was created by God, marriage is a very good thing. But he is saying that for some, 
Singleness is your calling. Do you ever think about that? For those of you that are single, it's saying that for some, singleness is your calling, and it's a gift. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And then in verse 8, he says, you know, to the, to the singles, to the widows. And so he's talking like all-encompassing to, to those who are divorced, anybody who is not married. And Paul, is what he's doing, is he's sort of just echoing what Jesus taught when he talked about uh, divorce. And, and so we can kind of think about, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, the Pharisees brought a question up to Jesus. They said, Jesus, is it lawful, when is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, Right? And Jesus, they're trying to trap Jesus into a question, and Jesus uh, sort of fires back at them and says, what was set up in the beginning has sort of changed. And I'm paraphrasing here. He said, it's, it's sort of changed. It's not the way that it was set up now. He said, now you can get divorced for anything, right? And our culture is still the same. You can get divorced for any reason, anything you want to do, right? You, just, you can just get divorced. And Jesus says, in the beginning, it was not set up to be that way. And so he goes on to paint a picture of how important marriage really is and how important this covenant between two people and God, how important that really is. And so he paints this picture and says, listen, this deal about marriage, it's really, really serious. It's a really big deal. And so you should take it very, very serious, not lightly. And so the disciples, as they listen to Jesus saying this, the disciples respond back to Jesus. They say, well, then maybe it's a good idea that we don't get married. Like if it's that serious, if it's that big of a deal, like if we have to, if we have to take that much care with it, then maybe it's good for us to not get married. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, yeah, maybe it's good for some of you not to marry. Because in your singleness, there is a gift. And so the Bible will define that singleness is a blessing. But in our culture, singleness doesn't feel like a blessing, does it? In our culture, if you're single, if you're divorced and now single, whatever, whatever lane of singleness you might be in, our culture doesn't necessarily define it that way and says that singleness is a blessing. And let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of you hate getting the runaround about, about who you're dating, right? Show up to mom and dad's house and like, so who are you dating now? Hmm? Going out with somebody? When are you getting married? When's that going to, when am I getting grandchildren? Like you get that question, right? You get, you get the whole thing, right? It's like, when's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? Or how many of you that are single hate it when your married friends try to set you up? You know what I'm saying? Like, got this great guy for you. He's really, really nice. Is he cute? He's really, really nice. Don't do it. I'm telling you. Just walk away quickly. <laughs> right? And so, like, we, we get that. And so our culture, our culture is set up for marriage, and that's a good thing. Those are good things. Again, marriage is a great thing. If God has called you to marriage, if you are married, that's a good thing. Like, don't hear this and be like, see, singleness is a gift. That means we're out. That's not what I'm saying. All right? That's a whole other topic. All right? But what Paul is saying, he's saying that, that there is a blessing in singleness. That it can be a blessing. And think about this. Jesus was single. Jesus was single. He was 30 years old when he began his ministry. And so for the next three years, he, he sort of, he, he began, he, he, he did ministry. 
in, in, in the culture. It did ministry on earth, right? But he was 30 when that started. And so he, Jesus himself actually chose singleness. He chose to be single. Now, I mean, think about it for a second. He, Jesus was God. If he wanted a date, he could have got one. Anybody want to anybody wanna take, take that one on? I mean, he was Jesus, right? He'd be like, what did, what did you have to do to impress your spouse? Jesus is like, I can walk on water. What do you got? <laughs> you tired of drinking water? Let me turn it to wine. You know, like, it just, I mean, seriously, if he wanted a date, he could have got a date. But Jesus chose singleness. It's been a long time since I've been single. But I, I, uh, I talked to uh, I talked to some of the people uh, in our church here over the last couple of weeks and just asked them some questions and asked them, you know, some of the things like, okay, so like, as, as someone who's single, what are some of the struggles of being single? As, as someone who's single, what are some of the, the, the benefits of being single? And, um, you know, I got a lot of different responses, but one of the things that just about every single person said was that one of the struggles of being single is battling loneliness. Being lonely. You know, not having anybody to come home to, not having anybody to, to share special experiences with, you know, not, not having some of those things. And even if you're dating or if you're engaged, there's still sometimes there's still a bit of, of loneliness that, that can exist and, and be there. You know, having to be the, the, the third will as a sad sap, right? You know, it, it, part of the uh, singles adoption program, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Hey, if, if somebody is paying, by the way, take advantage of it. Like, jump in on that, okay? You know, it's like, get, get in on that. You know, so th- there, are, there are struggles. There are, there are great struggles. One, one person said, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but one person said, you know, one of the benefits of being single, one of the benefits of being single is being able to eat Girl Scout cookies for breakfast and dinner. But they said one of the struggles of being single is eating Girl Scout cookies for breakfast and dinner, right? You know? And so... Like the, there are there are struggles, and there are there are different struggles for different people, and they affect people differently. But the good news is this: is that because Jesus Himself was single, and He is God, He experienced all of these things, all of the same things, all of the struggles that you experience as a single person. Jesus has experienced the exact same things, even the loneliness. When Jesus was on his way to the cross and he was in the garden and he prayed and he asked his disciples to pray with him, what happened? His disciples fell asleep, didn't they? Leaving him utterly alone, feeling alone. Jesus has battled loneliness. Jesus, although he was God, I'm sure he battled the want of a family. But singleness, Paul says, is a gift, even if it doesn't feel like it. And so we have to change our perspective. If you're married, we have to change our perspective toward those who are single. If you're single, you, in particular, have to change your perspective about what it means to be single. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's today's bottom line is this. Singleness is an opportunity, not a failure. Singleness is an opportunity, not a failure. And so skip down to verse 32. I want to give you two observations and four benefits of, of singleness. Verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 7. Paul goes on and he talks 
specifically to those who are single, he says this. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed, that word betrothed means engaged woman, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Verse 36, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. So again, Paul is saying, listen, there is a gift in singleness, but marriage is also good. So two observations I want to give you real quick. The first thing is this, that singleness secures an undivided devotion to the Lord. Singleness secures an undivided devotion to the Lord. Um, my wife and I, we have been, it'll be nine years this year that, that we have been, is it, has it been nine? Oh my goodness. I, yeah, nine. Um, so make sure I get that right. She's not in here. Okay, good. Um, um, so yeah, so we've been married nine years. And so me being married and, and being a married man, I, I can, and if you're married, you, you know this, but your interests are divided. Your attention is divided. Your time is divided. Your money is divided. Your resources are divided. All of these things are divided. And so there are things that you can do as a single person that those of us who are married cannot do. There are things that you can do that that I cannot do. For example, you can absolutely just blow it up for the kingdom of God. And so if God, if you feel God ever just speaking to you in your spirit at some point saying, you should go on a mission trip to Africa. You know what? You can book a plane ticket that evening and go to Africa. But if you're married, you can't. You can't do that. You could do that. I wouldn't recommend it because you won't be married when you get back. But I'm just saying, like, if you're not married, if you're single, you can do that. You can do, there are things that you can do because you can devote your undivided devotion to the Lord. And so for me being married, I can do a portion of those things, but not to the full extent. My attention, although is directed in good places toward my kids and my wife, it's, it's divided. My money is divided. There are things that I'm spending my money on that you're not spending your money on. For example, if you have a family and you go to the movies, you're out 80 bucks, right? Like you're buying popcorn and drinks and you know, whatever, right? But if you're single, you're going and you're out $15. And so you got a lot of extra money to, to spend on other things that hopefully could be devoted toward the Lord, right? It's like, Listen, I know how you work. You know, you stop by Walmart, you buy a dollar thing of candy, you, you put it in your pocket, you're sloshing through the, you know, the line at the movies, you know? You're saving some money, but for us as a family, we take, me and my two kids and my wife, we go to the movies and you're like taking out a loan. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you better stop by the bank first. And so everything is divided. There are things that are divided when you're married that are not necessarily when you're single. And so singleness secures an undivided devotion to the Lord. That's observation one. Observation two is this. Singleness offers a blessing that is eternally better than earthly, than the earthly blessing of kids. 
Think about this. Hold, let, me, let me show you this. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 56, he says this. He says, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs, and that word eunuchs basically in not so many words means a single person. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, meaning are devoted to me. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So those who choose singleness, Isaiah says, will be blessed eternally. Listen, kids are a great blessing. If you have children, you know this, but, but having children is a great blessing. It's, it's a blessing. Children are a blessing. Most of children are a blessing. I'm just kidding. All of them are. You're like, you don't know my kid. But like, we know this. We see this in Scripture. We, we just know this just, just from having kids. But Isaiah says that those who choose singleness, God says to Isaiah that those who choose singleness will be blessed eternally. And this is the only place that we see this. And this is very interesting because of this. That in this culture, being a Jewish man, your name lasting for generations and generations and generations, your name lasting was a very, very, very big deal. As a Jewish man, you wanted your name, your family name to, to carry on. You wanted it to go further than just yourself. And so when Isaiah hears this from the Lord and says, those who choose singleness will have a blessing that is better than sons or daughters, he's saying that you will have a name that will be blessed eternally. And so it was a really, really big deal. And so as someone who may be single, you may not have the opportunity to be an earthly mother, an earthly father, but you have the opportunity to be a spiritual mother or father. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And in this, Paul says to the Christians in Corinth, he says, you may not have the opportunity to be a spirit or a, an earthly father or mother, but you have the opportunity to be a spiritual father or mother. Because I think we all understand this and know this, but in our culture now, today, there are not a lot of spiritual mothers and fathers, are there? But as a single person, you have the opportunity to be that. You may not have children of your own, or you, maybe you do have children of your own, but yet you can still be a spiritual mother or father to others because your attention is not divided in a relationship or a spouse. And so you have that opportunity. And so the second observation is that singleness offers a blessing that is eternally better than earthly blessing of kids. And so singleness, understand this, is a gift for as long as you have it. You being single is a gift for as long as you have it. Some of you will have it. Understand, hear me when I say this. Some of, you, some of you will have the singleness, the gift of singleness forever. Some of you will not. In our culture, I think it's important that we are able to change our perspective around this. Because in our culture, our culture says, you've got to get married. You've got to be married. If you're not married... You, you know, you just don't fit. But Paul says, for some, there's a calling of singleness. And so please don't see singleness as a curse. If you're married, don't look at single people as a curse, as like they got a disease. Maybe God has called them to singleness. 
Here's the thing. If you are single, God doesn't want you to waste your singleness. God doesn't want you to waste your singleness. God doesn't want you to to spend your time searching out for a spouse only and not having any devotion toward him or searching out your career or, or these other things that can sometimes take us off our attention from the Lord. God, God's saying, I, I'm doing something in your singleness if you would just see it. If you would just get this, if you would just change your perspective for a second here, I'm trying to show you that this is a gift, that this is a blessing. It's not a curse. And that, that may only last for a season. And you may move into a season and the rest of your life as a spouse, as a married person. And there's going to be something different that God is doing there. But in your singleness, God is doing something now. You're not just in a holding pattern, waiting for the next person to come along. And so what we see here is we're seeing this where where Scripture is saying, don't waste your singleness. And so I want to give you real quick, and we'll close, four encouragements. Four encouragements for those of you who are single. Four things that you can be doing. Four things that you can be doing right now. If you're married, these are, these are some things that, that you can pass on to your children who may be single or to someone that you know may be single. Four things, real quick. Number one, be spontaneous. Be spontaneous. If you're married, you know this, let's be honest, but marriage is a spontaneity killer, isn't it? You ain't doing anything without planning for it first, right? Like, you're, you're, you're making those plans, you're, you're doing that. And so, as a single person, you can be spontaneous. You can go and do things. When the Lord says and directs you and says, I want you to go, I want you to do this, I want you to be a part of this, you can go and do those things. I was talking to another person who is single here at the Ridge, and they were saying, you know, one of the great benefits of being single is that I can be a part of things that I never would have been able to be a part of as a married person. I can be a part uh, and be doing things that I feel like God is directing me to be a part of and to do because I'm single. And so if you are single, you can. You can do and go as the Lord directs you and sends you and points you by being spontaneous. So while you're single, in your singleness, be spontaneous. Do spontaneous things. Number two. Practice selflessness. This is one that we can all do. Married, single, doesn't matter. We can all do this better. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says that says this. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Listen, that's, those are good things. Regardless of if you're married or single, doesn't matter. Those are good things that we should all be uh, live by, but let's be honest, it's a little easier for someone who is single to be spontaneously selfless. You can be spontaneously selfless better than married people can, right? Because, let, let's just give you an example. When somebody need is in need, and you want to be able to help them out in need, and let's say they need 100 bucks, right? And you got 100 bucks, you can take 100 bucks, you can just give them 100 bucks, right? Or whatever, right? You can buy them something, that kind of thing, right? But if you're married, most of us are going, hey, we got 100 bucks. Can we spend 100 bucks on this? You know, you got a plan for it. There's not, not a lot of spontaneity in that, right? There's, and so sometimes it's like, yeah, you see, the kids got soccer, so we got to pay for soccer, you know? So, okay, well, I can't be selfless in this place. But as a single person, you can practice spontaneous, spontaneous selflessness. 
Number three, check this out. This is going to be one that you may disagree with if you're single. But you can do this. Spend time with married people. Spend time with married people. And listen, married people, spend time with single people. And not as your little project. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to spend time with this and we're going to fix you up is what's going to happen right here. So let's, let's get together. Not like that. Like, if, if you're married, it's good for you to spend time with single people. Remember that whole spiritual mother-father thing? That's an opportunity for you. If you're single, spend time with married people. One of the things that bothers me about both married people and singles is, is that a lot of times we just sort of hang out with our own. It's like, I just want to hang out with married people. I don't really get the whole single thing. So I just hang out with married people. I, I'm single. I just want to hang out with single people because I don't really get the whole married thing. Like, I don't want to do old married couple things. Married couples like to have fun, too, FYI, okay? We like to bowl, all right? So come on. You know what I'm saying? Don't leave us out, you know? Like, y'all get to have all the fun. We're sitting there. Never mind. All right, so, like, spend time together. Married people spend time with single people. Single people spend time with married people. It's good. One of the uh, one thing that I would caution you with, though, singles, is make sure you pick a good married couple, like none of the dysfunctional ones, okay? So, like, that would be good. You want to learn something from them that is beneficial to you, all right? So that would, that would be a good thing. So number four, last one is this, the most important one for all of us, regardless if you're single or married. Make Jesus your mission, especially if you're single. Especially if you're single. Make Jesus your mission. Because when Jesus, listen, as a single person, you're free to serve. You're free to go and do as God leads and calls you. And, and if you're married, you, you can too, but there's a little more restraint there. There's a little more planning involved there. There's a little more uh, just other things that are going on. Remember, our, our attention is divided. But in the time of your singleness, make Jesus your mission. Make Jesus your mission over your career. Make Jesus your mission over finding the one. Check, check this out. It's possible. It's possible that if you make Jesus your mission and you serve Christ out of selflessness, spontaneously, setting your eyes and your gaze and your attention and your direction on Christ, and you just make him your mission above all other things. As you make Jesus your mission as a single person, you may look over at some point and see somebody else who has made Jesus their mission. And in that, when you see that, maybe that is, that's your future spouse. And isn't that what you want if you're a believer? Isn't that where you want to be? Isn't that what you want in a spouse is that someone else has made Jesus their mission? So we set our attention and our direction on Jesus to make him our mission. Pursuing Jesus above all other things. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, and I'll close. It says, looking to Jesus or, or setting our eyes, setting our attention, setting our, our direction on Jesus. So looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Isn't that interesting that the writer of Hebrews says that, that Jesus had joy set before him as he endured the cross? Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So the writer of Hebrews is saying that if we put aside every distraction, every weight of sin, and fix our eyes on him, we can find joy. That if our eyes, if our attention, if our direction is set on Christ, that that is where we will find joy. So that's why last week we talked about the myth that that someone else will complete you. Your spouse will not complete you. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance, that you will not complete each other. It's not possible. There, there is no completion in each other to be found there. Our completion is found in Christ and in Christ alone. The joy that we all seek, we all want joy, don't we? Not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness only lasts for a little bit of time. Happiness goes away. But I'm talking about joy. Joy that lasts eternally. Joy that lasts for us on earth. The only joy that we will ever find will be found in Christ alone. And the writer of Hebrews says that we have to fix our eyes on Christ to find the joy that we seek. So you're not going to find it in your career. You're not going to find it in things. You're not going to find it in trinkets. You're not going to find it in other people. You're only going to find it in Christ. But we have to fix our eyes on him. We have to look to Jesus first. We have to make him our mission. Now, I love this in Hebrews because in Hebrews, there's this picture that that you might not see necessarily, but during this culture in the uh, Greco-Roman games for the the Romans and and the Greeks, the the most prized um, event that they would have in these games that they would do, much like what we have in the Olympics, was always distance running. Running, that was always the most prized event. And so distance running was the, was the most, um, most important event that they would do. And these runners that would run in these games, it was interesting, they would actually, they would actually run in the nude. Yeah. Streakers unite, right? Like, it was just like. And so they would, run, they would run in the nude. Now, why would they do They would do that because they didn't want anything holding them back. They didn't want anything dragging them down. They didn't want anything between them and victory. They wanted to be set, focused, attention, direction on achieving that goal. And so when Paul says, set your eyes on Jesus, set your attention, your gaze, your focus, put your direction, put everything, make Jesus your mission, and there you will find joy. He's saying, don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anything slow you down from doing that. Making Jesus your mission above all other things, above all other people. And in your singleness, while being single, while being married, if we make Jesus our focus and our attention, I'm telling you, there will be joy there. There will be joy. We have to set our eyes there first. As we pray today, if you're married, during this time of prayer, I would just encourage you to maybe pray for somebody that you know that is single. Maybe it's your children. If you have young children, they've yet to to find someone who they're going to marry or have married, then maybe now is a great time for you to, to pray for their future spouse if in fact, they have a future spouse. But more, most importantly, you, not, not, not just praying there, but why don't you take the time to pray for their season of singleness? 
because there's a, a chance that they may be single longer than they'll be married. And so what if you as a parent now, as, a, as someone who is married, what if you started to pray for their season of singleness now? Start praying there now. Maybe if you're here and, and you're single, then today, maybe today is a, a great time for you to come back to the center, to make Jesus your focus, above finding a spouse, above a career, above any of these other things, the, any of these other distractions that may be out there, but that but you make Jesus your focus and your attention. Maybe it's time that you repent of some sin that has caused you to to not have Jesus as your focus. But, but as we pray and sing today, I want you to understand and know and remember that singleness is an opportunity. It's not failure. And so in your singleness, do something. Do something for the kingdom of God. Be spontaneous. Be selfless. Have an undivided devotion toward the Lord. And look at your singleness as a gift, not a curse. It's an opportunity. It's not a failure. Maybe you're single again. You have an opportunity. You're not a failure. But it is an opportunity. Maybe you're engaged. Maybe you're dating. You're still single. You're not married, so you're still single. You have an opportunity. Use it. Take advantage of it. Focus your attention on the Lord. Set your direction and your mind there. And see what kind of joy comes about. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are holy. God, you have blessed us beyond um, our imaginations, Father. And so, God, I just ask that as we just sit in your presence for the remainder of our time together here today, God, that you uh, just speak loudly to our hearts, God. God, for those who are, are married, God, I pray that they, uh, that they will have a changed perspective toward those who may be single. Maybe it's their own children. Maybe it's somebody in their family. Maybe it's somebody they work with, God. But, but God, that maybe you just give them the courage to be bold enough to, to speak into their lives, to, to show them that being, singleness, or being single is a gift, God, that it's, that it's an opportunity, that it's, not, that it's not being a failure. And God, I... I pray for those who are single here uh, today, God, God, that they will have the courage to, to maybe repent of sin, God, that has taken them off the path of, of being focused on you. God, that for all of us, God, that, that we all take this opportunity to repent of sin, if we've not made you our focus, that we've not put our attention on you first and foremost, above all other things. And Father, we, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, that gives us opportunity to be right with you, to be made righteous, and to be justified in your life. And Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.